Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you again for joining me this week. And let's start with my motivational quote, which is by Marion Williamson. And it says, Ego says, once everything falls into, into place, I'll feel peace. Spirit says, find your peace and then everything will fall into place. Ego. You know, we hear that word a lot. What thoughts or images happen to pop into your head when you hear that word? Do you flash a Kurt Russell in the new movie Guardian of the Galaxy or picture someone who has an ego so big that you're really not sure or if his, his or her head will actually fit through the doorway? We all have an ego, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? What if I told you that in addition to our regular ego that we all know about, we actually also have a spiritual ego? Can we make the word or definition of ego any more complicated? Whew. Today my guest, Kate Montana, digs deep with us about ego and why we behave the way we do and how we can have better control over our chosen reality by even understanding the spiritual ego. Kate bridges her ideas to us with master's degree in humanistic psychology and writes and teaches about the ego, transpersonal and transcendent consciousness, consciousness, quantum physics and evolution, and other credits. She writes for Psychology Today, the UK publication What Doctors Don't Tell You, and blogs for the Huffington Post. So Kate, thank you again for being on for the second time. I'm real excited about our conversation. It's great to be back, Connie. It's a long conversation. We can talk about the ego for quite a while. I, it's, 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 not only do people have huge egos, it's a huge topic. Before we jump in, Kate, I know you have a really special quote for us so that we could jump right into the topic. Can you share that with us? I sure can. You know, I, I could share a quote about being spiritual, but, you know, I'm going to share a quote about being um, a writer. And this is kind of the quote I trot out, and I, I swear this is going to be on my tombstone if I decide to throw that out <laughs> when, I, when I die. And, and, and it's life improved with editing. Hmm. And <laughs> which, in other words, you know, that, that's, that's writer speak, but you know, that's what we do, self-improvement when we want to be better people. And it's, it's all about how much work we put into it. That's, that's, the, that's the joy and the rewards we gain on the other side. So, yeah, my quote, life improves with editing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and we do. We have to edit ourselves so that we become the most beautiful and perfect self, you know, whatever that means to everybody. So I love that. That's such a great quote, not only for writers, but for, you know, folks like myself. All right, so let's let's jump in, and I know that you no longer consider yourself, it's interesting you use the word spiritual, so I know you no longer consider yourself a spiritual person in quotes. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, you said earlier in the introduction to the show that the ego is, is so complex, and the thing about the ego is it's really not so much complex, it's actually very simple, it's simply who we think we are. <laughs> the ego is <laughs> the ego is our personal sense of self. So it doesn't get any more plain and easy than that. 
but then of course there are different, you know, who do I think I am? Am, am I, you know, am I a woman? Am I a liberated woman? Am I a feminist? Am I a goddess? You know, am I a, you know, what do I do for a living? I'm an editor. I do this, I do that. We have all these different ideas about who we think we are. Mm. And so that's the game of the ego. It's all these different stories that we that are true. You know, I am a writer. I am a woman. I do live in the Pacific Northwest. I, you know, have followed the spiritual path for 35 years. But what we don't really grasp is that those are simply our stories. We, you know, we become stories are us. It's like instead of, oh, I have this story, which is actually now based in memory of all the things I have done as a spiritual person and all the things I have done as a woman and a feminist and as a writer, etc., that's all in my brain in the past. That stuff isn't happening right now, you know, honey? That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, that's so my whole identity is based in stuff I've done in the past. And... It's possible, I've learned this, it's possible to change who we think we are and change our expressions in a moment. That's, that's so, the goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, okay, so let me... There's a lot of dead mule dragging this button, dragging behind us yeah. to slow that process down. It's really true. It's so funny, um, you know, we, we talk about getting stuck in the past, always looking and, and thinking and rushing to the future, and we're never just present and, and living in the now, which is so critical, because we can be and we can do anything we want or choose to do. And even if you don't have the skill right now, right, Kate, you can develop that skill if you have a burning desire to do whatever it is. So I, I, I really like that idea of we tell ourselves stories that doesn't mean you have to be attached to that story or you can't change that story or change the ending to the story. So I really like that. I, now, I, exactly. I just have to ask you, in, in the quote and in our, our notes back and forth to each other, what is a spiritual ego? I have to be honest, I've never, I've just never heard of it in that context. Sure. Well, let me let me kind of go back and finish your your previous question about why I don't think I'm a spiritual person any longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it'll tie into your next question. It's the more stories we have, the heavier the boat anchor of the past becomes. Mm. The heavier our weight of who we think we are, at which which describes how I have to be. You know, if, if I think I'm a feminist, then I have to respond to emails and, and the news in this particular way. Or if I'm a writer, then I have to do writerly things. Or if I'm 65 as opposed to 35, then I'm supposed to wear this kind of clothes and not the other kind of clothes. We've got all these, we've got all these stories that accumulate about who we think we are, and it really does become like a freaking boat anchor. And it keeps us from being buoyant and light and flexible in the moment to be able to just dodge and be anything we want to be. So fast forward to the whole spiritual ego. I hit the wall at age 30 and realized the story of being, you know, like Madonna, being a spiritual, being a material girl, wasn't delivering the goods. You know, I had the money, I had the career, I had the husband, I had the dog, I had the swimming pool. And I wasn't happy, so I switched stories. Now I'm going to become spiritual because the material world didn't deliver. 
I'm still not happy. I'm still confused. I'm still wondering who the hell I am mm-hmm. and where I'm going and what life is all about. So I became a spiritual person. I didn't go back to my old story of religion, which was I was raised in the Episcopal Church, and then I was uh, I went to a Catholic convent school through high school. I couldn't go back to those old stories because they just know they didn't fit when I was in them. Mm. <laughs> and. So at age 30, I stepped foot on the spiritual path. Now, in retrospect, Connie, it's so interesting because I had a burning, I had two burning questions at that age and at that point. You've actually been the burning questions my whole life. Who am I? Hmm. And what is life? And so I, that's why I got on the spiritual path. Now, what's really interesting is that if I had not gotten on the spiritual path, if I had not chased after enlightenment for 30 30 years like I did in an absolute blind panic, because that was the E word, that was the the word, that was the enlightenment was going to save my bacon. It was going to turn me into a happy person because I'd be blissful all the time. I'd have all the answers. I'd know who I was. I'd be one with God. And, you know, how can you rock that boat? (laughs) So I I chased enlightenment like a mad woman. And... All that seeking it led me to where I am today. So I can't say that I would not do it. I mean, that's kind of like, wow, I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't gone down that path. And yet, spending 30 years as a spiritual person, I added to all my stories. I ended up, oh, God, at one point I thought I had to wear white on Friday and green on Tuesday and purple on Wednesday, you know, to align my chakras and my energy system with some sort of vibration in the universe that was supposed to be aligned with those days. And I had to become a vegetarian. Oh, my God, that was a disaster. I just love fried chicken and bacon. What can I say? I actually followed a teacher, a Christian mystic, for a while who said I had to be, you know, I had to be sexually chaste. Um, I had to not wear makeup. And, oh, my God, all the things I did, you know, balancing my chakras and, and getting my palm read and learning my astrological configuration. And it was all very interesting and entertaining, and I learned and gained a lot of stories. But I have to tell you, Connie, it all ended up being just one more series of boat anchors yeah because then I was always in competition like oh I was striving struggling to become this following this carrot called enlightenment and I had to meditate longer harder faster than anybody else and I had to you know manifest stuff better than anybody else and it became this like the rest of life big surprise it became one more struggle and competition You know, I was struggling to be good, reading all these books about how I'm supposed to configure my mind and how I'm not supposed to have a negative thought. And all of these rules that I took on were no different than the rules I took on the first 30 years as a material girl, you know, going money is the answer and sex is the answer and drugs and alcohol are the answer. It's just like, wow. I found that the spiritual journey was just one more series of stories that inevitably, eventually, I had to drop to actually get anywhere. And what I mean get anywhere means vault beyond the past, vault beyond the stories, vault beyond the boat anchor, and be freed up and light enough and open enough and boundaryless enough to, wow, let life sing through me rather than plodding along to the same old tune. 
And it's interesting, Kate. I think because at each decade in time, I think we all learn and grow a certain message or a certain key thing in our life, right? That makes us who we are each each decade that goes by. I was giggling when you said these rules, these rules, right? The, I don't know if you've read the book, um, and I, the name of the book, the title of the book escapes me, but it's Visham, and I forget his last name, but he runs Mind Valley Academy. And uh-huh. so I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He's amazing, right? I think he's out yeah. in California, and he wrote his book, and one of the first chapters he talks about Brules, B-R-U-L-E-S. And yeah. basically, it's, I'm not going to curse on the thing, but it's BS rules, and he calls them brules. It's things, he was raised in the Hindu faith, and you couldn't have meat. And of course, when he was a little boy, the um, McDonald's was so big, and he would see the commercials, and he kept saying to his mother, why can't I have a hamburger? Why can't I have a hamburger? So one day, she was like, well, it's our religion. And Bobby goes, yeah, but I really want that hamburger. And so she takes him. I mean, what a progressive mom that she was. She took him to have the hamburger. He didn't like the hamburger, but he thought, wow, I had a hamburger, you know? So he said it was funny how at a very young age, six years old or whatever, that he started realizing and his mom allowed him to break these rules, these brules as he calls them. So you just cracked me up when you were saying these rules, these rules, but I'm thinking they're brules, they're brules. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I thought he, I thought that his concept was so well versed, right? So, all right. So now that makes so much sense to me. It was just another story, right, Kate? That was your other story for the last thirty yep. years. So, what yep. is? Tell everybody what a spiritual ego is. Is that is that kind of part of what you defined, or absolutely, absolutely. If if the ego is our sense of who we are. Okay, I'm a I'm a white chick, and I have this socioeconomic status, and I'm have a college graduate, and I do this, and I do that, and I'm married, I'm divorced, I'm a Leo, whatever. So that's the normal ego identity that we carry around and try to act out over and over and over, and convince ourselves and other people that it's really great. So when I get into the whole spiritual game. It's just more of the same. They're all, as I said, they're all these rules that I've got to, to follow in order to get the carrot. And the carrot is, you know, bottom line is I want to be happy. Sure. You know, boy, I'm really different from everybody else in that respect. You know, I just want to be happy. So the spirituality starts off, I mean, it's, it's a kissing cousin to religion. It's actually, I think, I think most spirituality as it's thought today is, you know, religion 2.0. And, and I was so proud of myself for so many decades that I escaped religion 1.0. And so now I had the real truth. <laughs> now I had the, the truth about, well, you know, Jesus was in a scene and he was married to Mary Magdalene. So I have a different story here at, in 2.0. And and it was just more stuff that mm-hmm. I entertained myself with. Did, it, did any of my beliefs about the chakras and what color they are, and God, every system with chakras seems to be, you know, every, it seems to be a different color, but it's like, wow, where's the truth in all of this? Where, where is the truth with a capital T? And it perplexed me no end, but I was so entertained with the stories and all the things that I needed to learn about my past lives and, you know, and my, and my, my male incarnation in the 32nd dimension of Alpha Centauri wavelength frequency. It was like, oh, my God, you can go forever down these paths and have a hell of a good time. 
But at the end of the day, do you know who you are? Can, do you really know who you are? No, I've got more stories in my in my suitcase. And so that's what just, plus when I totally broke through after about 20,000 hours of meditation, I, I was an insane person with my meditation. I, I ran my life around my, my meditation. Um, that's when everything fell apart and broke down in 1997 uh, as I was forcing myself to do one more, you know, 12-hour stint of meditation and I just looked at my my pillow and went, screw it, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And I plopped down on my pillow and I didn't do mudra and I didn't do a mantra and I didn't do any of the breath work I'd been taught and I didn't light candles and I didn't do incense and I didn't om chant and I didn't try to raise my kundalini energy. I just did freaking nothing. Closed my eyes and gave it up. Well, don't you know, that was the first time that... Kate Montana and all of the stories and all of the baggage fell away to nothing. And I was left as the pure consciousness of source. I am. And that changed the game totally from that that day forward. Now, you know, did I instantly go, oh, yeah, I got it? Well, I, I got some of it. I got that I really wasn't Kate Montana. I got that I really wasn't my story. I got that the story is actually an illusion, just like every great master has ever said. But then I was back in the story as me, <laughs> thinking about it, chewing on it, going, well, how, how, how do I get there again? So for another 15 years, I, I went back and forth, you know, hours in the morning as not me in this, and I'll even use the E word, enlightened state of, no me. There was not, Kate wasn't enlightened in those moments. The, those moments were, there was no Kate in existence. And, and, and then I would be me. I'd open my eyes and get off my, my pillow and go about my day and, and have all the trouble and the heartbreak and the heartburn and the money issues and all that crap. And I kept ping-ponging back and forth going, oh, my God, there's got to be this middle ground. I, Kate Montana, can never be. Here's the biggest spiritual story going. This is the biggest spiritual ego story going. I wanted to be enlightened. I wanted to be enlightened before everybody else, so that, especially all of my friends, so that I could stand up on a stage one day all dressed in white and strut my stuff and show how much how enlightened I was. <laughs> ego. I hear ego. <laughs> oh, good things. You know yeah, things. Yeah. Oh, my God. Crazy, right? Okay, let's, let's, take a really, let's take a really quick break, and then I just want to comment on um, a couple of things you said, and then I want to uh, talk about selfless and desireless is a waste okay. of time, which I know you've said as well. So real quick break, and then we'll come right back. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business, and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business, and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. 
That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. We are back. We are speaking with Kate Montana, and we're really talking about the spiritual ego, but even bigger than that, it's the ego and how we tell ourselves all these stories, and do they really reflect who we are or who we want to be? And it was interesting when you were saying, you know, up to 30, you behaved one way. Then after 30 to 1997, it was all about the spirituality to the point where you almost made yourself nuts, right? And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm done with this. And that's when you finally found maybe a little bit of peace is, is what I heard. But it's just funny how we really get caught up in the stories because stories are fun stories bring us somewhere right stories help us with our imagination so I get it and I bet a lot of people are thinking the same thing wow you know do I have a lot of stories that I I tell Mm -hmm. so I want to I want to shift a little bit so you're seeking again this word enlightenment and and all of this but you're really seeking selfless and desireless you say is a waste of time and a distraction why do you think that because of just what we were talking about? Well, yeah, because, okay, so you've got to wake and asleep. As Kate Montana, I am dead asleep in the dream. I'm asleep in the story of this, of this world, okay, in physical existence. When I'm awake, see, right there, I've already said the wrong thing. I am not awake. It's not me, Kate, that's awake. There is just source, intelligence, the way things are, reality, and so, so there's, there's the story of Kate, and then there's the truth, which is, of course, I am, all mm-hmm. in all. I mm-hmm. am that I am. Okay. So the, the story, how can I, wow, it, it, words just, just take us so down the wrong path, and, and actually I've just kind of like almost lost my train of thought here, but could you ask the question again? <laughs> sure. You're seeking, you're seeking to be selfless and desireless, and you think oh, that's a waste of time and a distraction. Why? Why is that a distraction? Because, in, because enlightenment is selfless. There is no Kate Montana. It's absolutely rivetingly clear that that is an illusion. The whole sense of personal identity and ego is an illusion in that state of consciousness. So it's natural that we, the selfless state is the enlightened state, selfless. Now, so a Buddha or a Jesus or whoever, who is the rare actual enlightened beings on this planet, they walk around and people who are not in that state look at them from the outside in and go, wow, look how completely selfless he is. He's not selfish at all. He does things for others or she does this for that, la, 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 la. I must not, so then we come up with a rule. I must not be selfish. That is pretty much one of the core stories, foundations of the whole spiritual religious tenet. I shall not be selfish. I should always put others before me, especially I should put God before me. But I'm from the outside looking in. <laughs> the, the, the enlightened being is the most radically rule-less entity out there. They are utterly lawless beings because they have no rules. They need no rules. They've seen through the whole bloody story. Mm-hmm. So we try to imitate. You know, it's like a monkey trying to imitate, you know, a guy in a, in a suit and tie going to work. It's like we just look at, at enlightenment and that free, liberated state of consciousness 
from the outside in, and we imitate what it looks like, not what it actually is. So we say, I should be desireless, because look at this. Buddha was desireless. Buddha talked about being desireless, so I should be desireless. A human ego trying to be desireless is, is, is impossible. And there's nothing wrong with desirelessness. I mean, there's nothing wrong with desire. Desire gives us the desire to get on the path in the first place. Desire brings children into the world. Desire created French cooking and, and, and inspired Einstein to pursue um, and understand relativity. Desire is everything on this plane. So to become desireless is impossible. To be selfless is impossible. Because we're in the ego state and the ego story of me being me and, and I have a self. And that self has desires. So, and it's really fascinating, Connie, because the enlightened being truly is probably the most divinely selfish being in existence because they are all one. They are one with life. So what they do for another, they do for themselves because they actually understand they are the other. You know, and it's, it's, it's funny, it, that whole perspective of what you just said makes so much sense because I know as a mom, right, my, my kids are, you know, one is going to be 21, one is going to be 18, they're both going to be off to college in September, but they still need me, right? If I am not healthy, if I am not strong, if I am not clear in my head, how can I help them navigate the rules and all of the things of who they want to be and what to study in college and all of the stuff that we've created in our society? So it's funny because as you were saying that, and I thought, well, I know I put myself first, and not in a selfish way, but I know I need to, you know, lose weight so that my knee isn't hurting. Um, I need to exercise, and I need to meditate or whatever it is for me, or do my yoga, because that gives me an opportunity just to quiet my mind so that I can be better for my family, for my clients, whoever it is. So I, I think I, I agree a thousand percent that being selfless and desireless is kind of a ridiculous, um, even a ridiculous premise. And again, it goes back to these are the rules that we've created, the stories that we've created. Uh, we like our stories, man. It gives us something to hold on to, right, Kate? It's, oh, my God. It, it's illogical. I'll talk about drama. Hey, how's that unsexualist story working out yeah. for a lot of monks, yeah. monks and priests and stuff? It's just like, uh, so we end up really crucifying ourselves and never having the, so often not giving ourselves the experiences we want. And it's the sure. experiences driven by desire that take us forward in our evolution. It, it's, absolutely. It's, it's so fascinating. I mean, you know, I, I actually quit drinking last year, and I was raised in a drinking family, and I went to a, a church called Whiskey Pal- I mean, that's what they call it, Episcopalians, Whiskey Palians, because everybody drinks. I drank, <laughs> I drank like a fish all my life, and, you know, I wore it as a badge of honor that I could pretty much drink anybody under the table. And I, I woke up last year, Connie, and I realized at age 65, okay, I've been doing this for a while, that it didn't serve me anymore. I was serving it. And that I needed to go to a whole different level of clarity energetically in my mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And overnight, I dropped it. I drank for almost 50 years. And I just dropped it because it fell away from me. Now, how many times have we heard this, this story? When you just do something long enough, it will fall away from you. Yeah. The statistics, I mean, there are far more alcoholics and drug addicts that actually, when they hit the wall on their own, that change 
they change on their own. The percentage of people who change their addictions on their own is actually higher than those who go to AA and do a lot yeah. of other intervention work. It's because yeah. we've done it and done it and done it and followed our desire and followed our crazed addictions until finally they wear us out. They wear themselves out. And you go, oh, yeah, if you survive that long, <laughs> hopefully, you just go, oh, God, I'm freaking done with that. Next. And, and then we well then we create our new story too. So it yeah, right yeah. it's it's all it's we're, we're on this treadmill of craziness, um, and sometimes we don't know how to get off. We have literally just three minutes left, but I do want to ask this question because I think it's it's an important one. I always love to give tips, so people are saying, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, I need to pay attention to my story. Yeah, I want to change that story. How do I do it? What do I do? So what can people do to avoid the trap of developing a spiritual ego? Really, we're talking just about an ego, whether you're on this path of spirituality and enlightenment, um, how can they avoid the traps? You can't avoid the trap. And it's only a trap because we don't know what it is. The ego is a tool. It's an inevitable construct that enables us to function on the earthly plane. Everybody has an ego. It's a not a bad thing. It's a, it's, it's a tool. It's a good thing. We couldn't live without it. We, we couldn't live without our stories. That's why we're here. So the number one thing is to get out stop ragging on the ego. It's a natural way of believing who we are in this world, and it allows us to function on this plane. Now, what trips us up is thinking that that's it, that we are the story, and clinging to it at all costs and being frightened to let it go. Then the story, then the ego, then that structure no longer serves us. We serve it. So that's the thing to get beyond, is to, is to understand the ego is fine, but bloody well understand what it is. Inform yourself. Learn its structure, where it comes from, how it thinks, why it thinks the way it thinks, so that you can vault beyond that. And I, that's why I wrote my book, The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials. It has chock-a-block with practices and meditations that will take people out of their story in the sense that it expands them within their story. And you know, rather than killing the ego, dissolving the ego, which can never happen, expand it into new, inclusive territory. You know, the, and then the boundaries begin to fall away. The limitations begin to fall away. The story gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more inclusive and holds more and more and more. That's the way out. Not by trying to kill the ego or deaden the stories or, sh or give desire the shaft. That isn't it. That's just more constriction and more rules. The path is expansion from where we are. And then the sky's the limit. Yeah, and, and so well said, and, and it's so funny because the show, my show, is really about whether people agree with us or not, and they think, you know, we're out of our minds, I, I get that, okay, <laughs> I, I, I've, I, and I'm not saying your topic, I'm saying some of the topics I've had on the show, but for me, the show is an opportunity for me to, for people to hear something from, you know, these, these brilliant guests like yourself that I have on, and it's just a different perspective, it's a different way of looking at whatever that topic Topic is and saying I never thought of it that way and I yeah. believe that by shining lights on these topics that 
sometimes we can't see the forest from the trees because we're so embedded in our lives, we're so embedded in our story, we're so embedded in whatever the circumstances are, woe is me, whatever it could be, that when we shine that light, people say, oh my God, I, I do have to look at my ego and say, where did it come from? But how do I expand it so that I understand self and, and look for myself, the true, you know, Connie Whitman or Kate Montana, so that we're not following these BS rules and really finding that inner peace that ha and I love how you said that too that I'm probably the only crazy person right who's looking for happiness we all have happiness within us and I also mm -hmm. think that your happiness is going to be drastically different than what my happiness will look like and that's okay you know we don't we don't have to meditate 12 hours a day and all the things that you talked about so I, I really hope Kate that we we just shine a little bit light on that ego and and the rules and our stories and how we have control. We can take control. Just think about it. So I, I really love uh, your perspective, and I can't thank you enough. And just tell everybody your book one more time. E is for? The E word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials. It's on Amazon. And if they want, they can go to my website, which is katemontana.com. And everybody, Kate is C-A-T-E, and then Montana, M-O-N-T-A-N-A.com. But no worries, I will post that on the webtalkradio.net Architect of Change website so that you guys literally can click and go. Um, thank you again just for taking the time but for really drilling into this topic because I think it's useful for all of us, but I, I just think putting it in perspective, Kate, is, is another tool that you shared um, to help people realize that we, we can do this, right? We can change our story. We can change the rules. Um, and sometimes just understanding the concept, we're halfway there. So thank you for that. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, everyone, oh, but Kate, always my, always my pleasure, truly. And you guys, I, if you have stories or topics or you need my help with anything, please email me directly at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. I really, I really do read the emails and I respond personally. So if there's something that you'd love me to cover, like a topic like Kate and I spoke about today, um, definitely reach out to me and I will absolutely uh, search the earth for an expert on that topic. So again, Kate, uh, thanks for being a second timer on my show. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Connie. Thanks again. I hope you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow ourselves, challenge ourselves, and change and embrace change and realize that it's possible and really easier than we often think. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, today. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much, everyone. Have an inspired week. And listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can't.